Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project We'll have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. Dan's guest this week is Janet Schwartz, assistant professor of marketing at Tulane University. Janet and Dan recall an evening they spent with several pharmaceutical salesmen in this program called Our Dinner with the Drug Reps. So I'm sitting in my office with the very wonderful, uh, what's your name? Janet Schwartz. Janet. And what do you do in general? I work with you. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me earlier? <laughs> I thought maybe after three years you might remember. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. Okay, so, so a few months ago uh, we took some people to dinner and we had a good time. Who, who are these people and what did we want from them? We took to dinner some drug reps that we met here uh, teaching at Fuqua. These are drug reps that sell Sorry, what? Former drug reps. Former, former drug reps. And what, what, do they, what do they sell? What kind of drugs? Uh, they sell all sorts of drugs. So Legal, illegal? No, mostly, mostly legal. It's questionable whether or not they should be legal, but they're mostly legal drugs. And uh, for, all sorts of, uh, for all sorts of things like fibromyalgia and depression and all sorts of interesting diagnoses, maybe true diagnoses, maybe not true diagnoses. Okay, so these drug groups do what? What do they do? They go from what to what? From house to house? No, they go from doctor to doctor. And, and they do what? So they try to get doctors, they try to convince doctors to buy their drugs uh, or to prescribe their drugs over any competitor drug on the, on the market. And they do it by giving them brochures and information and what? So they, uh, they start by trying to give some information, but uh, they also maybe provide some written information. But a lot of what they do is uh, they gave them products, right? So they gave them pens and pads and pins and mouse pads and, and mouses and notepads and all sorts of weird little trinkets uh, yeah. that, that doctors could keep. Um, and they could, you know, clipboards and all sorts of things that, that would sort of remind them of the name of the drug. Yeah. Now, we took these drug reps for nice dinner. We gave them good wine and uh, got them lubricated. And that's basically what they also do for physicians, right? That's exactly what they do for physicians, right? And so in order to get the, the, the goods from the pharmaceutical reps, we couldn't just say, oh, we want some information from you. We had to sort of uh, try them at their own game. And so we decided that we would take them out to dinner and wine them and dine them a little bit, and maybe they would give us some information about their experiences uh, as drug reps. It was fairly shocking. Yeah. So give me two examples. But I think the examples uh, that, I, that stuck in my mind the most were, uh, so as you can imagine, these drug reps are fairly attractive. Uh, they were nice guys in their early 20s, probably when they were uh, drug reps. And one of them told us how he was trying to get a physician to come and attend an information seminar on a medication that he was promoting. Um, and she was reluctant to do it. And then finally, he persuaded her to do it by agreeing to escort her to one of her ballroom dance classes. Which I, I thought was strange. <laughs> <laughs> and he must have been a good dancer. The way he looked and moved, he must uh, have been good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you were there, so you yeah. know exactly. You would, and what woman wouldn't want this guy to take, him ball, take her ballroom dancing? Um, but so that was one of the really shocking stories, was that there was sort of this quid pro quo between the doctor and the, and the drug rep, and, and, and that somehow this would sort of trickle down to patient care, right? Yeah. Is that this doctor might be influenced by, you know, a... a a very 
superficial social relationship um, and, and how she treats patients. And this basically means that people are kind of doing something in their personal lives as a favor. You take me dancing and then I'm going to write prescriptions on your behalf to make it that's right or I'm going to attend some information seminar and and take samples and you know but these samples go to patients uh, and these prescriptions go to patients and of course we know that there are other things that they could be taking um, uh, and and yeah. that was really shocking that that uh, this physician had flat out asked uh, probably a much younger uh, male pharmaceutical representative to basically take her out on a date. And, and if he did that, then she would listen to his spiel yeah. uh, and maybe prescribe his medication. And you think that the chance that male doctors do the same thing for female uh, drug reps? Right. Uh, hard to imagine. Hard to imagine, Dan. <laughs> it's hard to imagine. So, so the other thing that I thought was incredibly curious was this idea that how well they understood psychology. So one of the things they told us was that sometimes they ask, they pay physicians a little bit of money to give a lecture to other physicians or other people in their group about their drug. And what they say is they don't care about people in the audience. What they're hoping is that the physician who gave the little lecture for 10 or 15 minutes would get convinced themselves for doing it. And that's really cognitive dissonance, right? The moment we pay you a little bit of money to do a certain thing, forget about the audience, all of a sudden you are more convinced by doing so. You say, why did I just give this lecture for 10 minutes on this wonderful, on this drug? Must mean that I really think it's, it's wonderful. So that was quite sophisticated, I think, of them in terms of understanding of psychology. Oh, I think that they understand psychology. Uh, I think that they understand uh, psychology very and, well. And, and also armed to a much higher degree than physicians. Every time they go to meet a physician, they know exactly what they prescribed. They know exactly what they did. And they told us lots of stories about food, right? What food they bring to physicians. Uh, they, they did. They told us all sorts of uh, stories about food. About you, how you remember this food? physician? There were, there were physician office that they liked steaks and lobsters, and they wanted them alternating. And when they first came to this physician doc, uh, physician's office, the physician gave them a list of which days of the week they want steak and which they want lobster. And if they come on those days, they have to bring meals for, for a few people, including all everybody else in the office. And that's kind of one of the benefits of working in a doctor's office. You get really good food every really time good. drug reps come. Um, yeah, I, I think that that was really uh, fascinating or that, that male doctors wouldn't, they wouldn't, uh, our, our friends, uh, our new friends uh, were all male. Um, but they said that there were doctors that wouldn't even see them because they were male. So yeah. back to your comment about the male doctors is that they would only see female uh, drug reps. Yeah, and they said that w what they do is they go through the receptionist and the nurses and they chat them up and then the reception and the nurses pressure the doctor to see them. So they have this, this team. It was even more frightening to talk to the device reps. The device yes. reps were really, that was very disturbing because their involvement in actual patient care. I mean, the fact that we had a, a, a device rep that was selling gynecological devices and he was in operating rooms uh, with surgeons operating on uh, women's reproductive organs, uh, unbeknownst probably to the patient. So the patients were asleep and the drug rep was trying to sell the physician something in real time. That's right. Or train the physician, right? Yes. So that was... Of course, training. Yes, yes, yes. Training the physician. In exchange for some uh, uh, product purchase. In exchange for uh, <clears throat> the hospital actually uh, assuming this uh, procedure or this device as uh, part of their standard of care. Yeah. And, and they also told us about sometimes when they are being called into a doctor's office to inform the patient directly. 
That's right. We, we had a number of uh, comments about physicians specifically asking the drug reps to either convey information directly to a patient or to tell them how much of a medication, what dosage should they prescribe to the yes. patient. So they go to the drug rep and say, you as the expert, what do you think we should do here? Uh, you as the expert. That's right. The yeah. drug rep is the the 22-year-old drug rep as, a, as the expert. Yeah. They also said that they, they change accents. They change political affiliation. They're really kind of incredible persuasion machines, right? right. And they're really good at it. That's right. I think the word chameleon came up several <laughs> yeah. times in our conversation yeah. uh, or our, post, uh, our post-dinner conversation about how good these people were. Again, I think intuitively it picking up on what we know about psychology, right? And so they really are able to put the doctors at ease and say, you know, I'm listening. I'm really, I'm one of you. Um, we're we're very similar. I'm just here, you know, working a day, doing my job. And in mm-hmm. in at the end of the day, uh, we're not all that different. And we will go fishing together, and uh, we'll go playing uh, baseball together, and all kinds of other things. Uh, that's right. Deep sea fishing was big. So we're in the south. Deep sea fishing was a, a, a big selling point. Yeah, baseball. They went to play ball together a few uh, times. They did. We had one drug rep that had been a, a, a college baseball player, yeah. and and so he had uh, an in with uh, uh, baseball lingo and uh, appealing to physicians on that level. Yeah. <coughs> so. So, so what, what can be done? So what happens is that these people become friends, which the idea that then the physician writes prescription for their friends, not because they think that they're, not because the physician is thinking they're compromising their value, but they're doing it. What, what, what would you think are the recommendations to fix this? So I, I think, you know, obviously uh, the pharmaceutical industry knows how good these drug reps are. Um, otherwise, you know, it's, it's a huge staff uh, or, or workforce that they employ, um, and they have cut back, right? So they've either sort of self-regulated or um, in some way have been regulated in, in, you know, for a long time, this was a very successful uh, sales strategy. You know, I was, I was at a conference by the American Medical Association, and just before me was a person from a device company, uh, some a brain implant, implants, and he's talking about how uh, they're selling in real time in the operating room because the doctors need help in figuring it out. Right. <clears throat> and after I talked about conflicts of interest, they, they asked him a question, and he basically said that they stopped going to Hawaii for conferences, right. and now they go to Wisconsin. And everybody took this as, oh, of course, there's nothing good to do in Wisconsin. Right. Clearly, this is not a boondoggle uh, every month. But I, I think you could have really fun in Wisconsin. So, so I hear... Um, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. I, from what I understand, it's a lovely place. <laughs> yes. uh, so, so this idea that all of a sudden you go to Wisconsin and that self-regulation and so solving all the problem of conflicts of interest is uh, quite hilarious. So, anyway, so what can we do? Uh, so, I, I think that you have to uh, you have to sort of stop this uh, this schmoozing that goes on, right? And so that that doctors should not be allowed to receive food, receive gifts. Um, in any way from the pharmaceutical reps that they could be able to come in at scheduled time um, and maybe leave some information about the product or talk to directly to a doctor, but never talk to a patient um, and certainly uh, never have access to a patient. Um, and, you know, I mean, you can say that these companies have a right to sort of educate and advertise their um, advertise their they're good. And, and give information. And, and give information. And, and to the extent that doctors may need to be educated, they are certainly entitled to do that. I mm-hmm. think that the, the notion, though, that doctors can 
even understand that they have conflicts of interest, right? I think what was so good about these guys was that from the doctor's perspective, you know, I, I would imagine that very few of the doctors demanded alternating weeks of uh, yes. lobster and, and steak, right? So, you know, many of the doctors that they saw were probably hardworking and they weren't, they weren't hip to, the, to what we know about persuasion. Um, and so they don't necessarily understand that they're uh, being manipulated. They don't recognize that they have conflicts of interest, although they recognize that other doctors have conflicts of, of interest, course. right? So I think to, to that end that there has to be more of a policy change in place, right? Not asking each individual drug rep um, because they have their own conflicts of interest. Um, but I think there needs to be some sort of a, a policy in place that allows uh, people to convey information without uh, exacerbating the problems of conflict of interest. Yeah. So, I, so I have a suggestion. Tell me what you think. Okay. What if we limit drug reps to be over 65 and only people who are physically unattractive could do the job? <laughs> uh, that that's a good start Dan. <laughs> very good so we have our first policy recommendation and it could give it could give job to people who otherwise uh, would don't have many opportunities in the market thank you Janet <laughs> thank you Dan this has been arming the donkeys a weekly podcast with Duke University behavioral economist Dan Ariely Dan's latest book is the upside of irrationality learn more at predictably irrational.com.